we had some unusually hot spring weather in Syracuse, and I can't remember if it was after um, which game it was after, but it was our last first part of the home game, and then we were transferring the series to Manitoba. Um, and so we ended up playing an overtime game, and I remember, um, I, I think it was Schneider ended up having to leave the game midway through because he was cramping because it was so hot. And like you, you're trying to, I remember we had this thing, this pickle juice thing that we're giving to the guys because everybody was dehydrated. And as the overtime went on and the heat and, and you know, we, we found a way and boy, I remember flying uh, the next day, all of a sudden just getting really sick and the dehydration hit me too as well. So. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli. This is Crunch Chronicles. Great to be with you as always for episode 20 of the show. Hope you've enjoyed the first 19 episodes of Crunch Chronicles so far. And we are so thrilled to have another great guest, another great Crunch alumni, a guy who has bridged the divide between player and coach here in Syracuse. He was a goaltender for the Crunch uh, going back all the way to the 2001-2002 season. And uh, at times he was with Syracuse. He had gone elsewhere, ended his time with the Crunch in the 2007-2008 season and then came back as a goaltending and video coach for the Crunch only a couple of years ago, 2017-18 and 2018-19. By those clues, you might be able to guess who our guest is today. If you didn't read the title already, it is Carl Gehring, one of the most popular goaltenders in Crunch history, a guy who was uh, very productive in his time with the Crunch and uh, just such a great guy to be around each and every day. Always a positive uh, uh, person to, to deal with. Uh, for me personally, I only uh, interacted with him as he was a coach here with the Crunch for those two seasons that I mentioned, 2017 through 2019. A very uh, good guy to chat with over the course of those uh, two years. Always uh, very generous with his time for a pregame interview or whatever it might have been. So, uh, But that was Carl. He was a great guy in the community, a great guy on and off the ice here in Syracuse. And we were so thrilled to be able to get him on. He is currently, uh, as you'll hear, uh, coaching still. You know, he was here for two years. Then he went back to his alma mater uh, to continue his coaching career on the bench. And so we talked to him about that, talked to him about his time at the Crunch, and a whole lot more on a wonderful conversation with former Crunch goal goaltender, also former Crunch goaltending and video coach, Carl Gehring, on episode 20 of Crunch Chronicles. Yeah, always great to uh, connect, Lucas, and uh, great to be back and talk a little Crunch hockey here. So uh, I'm, I'm currently uh, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, back coaching at my alma mater here at the University of North Dakota, and uh, currently serving as an assistant coach here. And um, again, we're midway through our year, and um, you know, dealing dealing with uh, the pandemic like a lot of uh, programs are here, but uh, doing good and uh, excited to continue our second half. Well, it's uh, we know how much uh, when I when I think of Carl Gehrig, I think of a lot of people think of two places, either the Crunch or North Dakota. Of course, you you uh, played there and you've coached there for a while as well. Uh, what what's it like to be back there uh, in a you know full time assistant coach capacity, and and how are things going for you? Yeah, very fortunate to be back here and uh, and very fortunate for my time with the Crunch there, too, as well. They're kind of been my my two hockey homes for sure. Um, but but always, always be a fun to be back in North Dakota where, 
you know, I, again, a, a place I played and that has meant so much to me in terms of giving me an opportunity as a young man and uh, bring, being a springboard for me to start my professional career. Um, and, and again, um, I, I really feel like both places, North Dakota and Syracuse, the, the fans are so passionate about the game and um, so invested uh, week to week here with us. So I've uh, just been an absolute blast to be being back a part of the program here and uh, for myself to uh, coaching wise, always, always enjoy it and always enjoy connecting with the players and um, trying to find ways not only to help the team, but um, help individuals grow their game as well. Uh, how are things going there this year for the team? Like you said, I mean, every program dealing, uh, maneuvering around the, the pandemic this year. How have things changed this year and, and, uh, and how, how is the, the team handling it on and off the ice? We're, we're doing pretty good. We're, this is kind of the first weekend we've been hit so far. So our, our games this weekend got postponed. Um, seems to be hitting our lead, the NCHC right now as there's uh, a couple other series that have been dealing with it as well. So uh, I, again, we, we've been very fortunate going through and we always kind of try to keep that in mind that you know we've, we've been able to play um, and we've been able to practice and and kind of lead fairly normal lives here. So um, again, hopefully uh, hopefully we continue to to get through here and in a safe manner and, and get back to playing hockey and, and uh, enjoying it. We'll circle back to your playing time there uh, maybe at some point as well, but uh, sticking with uh, you know where we are right now, North Dakota Hockey, Team USA Hockey, you've got an Olympian all of a sudden there uh, with the program. Uh, Jake Sanderson, talk about him, and and, uh, and obviously it's, it's turned into a weird Olympic year for, you know, with the NHL no longer participating, but uh, you've got an Olympian there in uh, Jake Sanderson. Yeah, J- Jake's a, a really special player there, and uh, obviously we'll be with Ottawa here in the near future. So, um, you know, he's one one of the uh, best skaters I've ever had the fortune to be on the ice with. Uh, can turn on a dime, and um, just so much fun to work with because he's a kid that's always looking to improve. He's always watching games. He's always watching Kale McCarr and, and trying to find ways to improve. And, um, you know, <laughs> kind of neat too, for, for me as my first, first couple of training camps in Columbus as a player, um, his dad, Jeff Sanderson was, you know, one of the top stars for the blue jackets at that time. And, um, you know, I remember coming into camp and kind of being a little bit of awe of seeing him and what a smooth skater he is. So, uh, kind of funny how for me, at least it's kind of come full circle that, having the chance the opportunity to to coach his son jake now it's amazing how uh how quickly things can uh just flip around and how tight everything is in hockey it's such a tight-knit and close community and uh amazing how quickly uh you know you you go from uh playing with his dad to now coaching him uh in college which has to be uh really neat like you said seeing just the progression there from him and and uh, sticking on the olympic theme and and kind of segueing into the crunch a little bit which uh you're looking at some of these rosters and projections and possibilities. Uh, a guy you coached here in Syracuse has been on the shortlist for Team Canada. Eddie Pasquale, his name has been thrown around a bit. Uh, at the time of our conversation, the uh, and Team Canada has not announced its uh, its roster yet for the uh, the Olympics. But Eddie seems to be on the shortlist. Uh, what do you think about Eddie Pasquale potentially representing representing Team Canada? Yeah, so I've I've seen uh, I've seen that out there, and that would be such a thrill to see him and. Um, so thankful for for the time working with Eddie. As again, he was such a consummate professional uh, during his time with Syracuse. Um, was always impressed with him. Like days off, like we'd be at the rink, and sure enough, Eddie be strolling in and, and coming in to get a little workout and uh, put some time in uh, taking care of his body. So 
Um, really enjoyed working with Eddie. And again, I thought he did a fantastic job with us at the crunch and been neat to follow him over in the KHL and, and would be so cool for him to, to represent his country. I think that's always uh, such an honor, you know, no matter who you are, right? Oh, for sure. And you're right. Eddie had really such a great year. It was only a year and a half, but what a run he had with the crunch. He's got the uh, the best ever goals against average for the career for a crunch goaltender. He had 27 wins that uh, one full season, which is tied for the second most in a single season. Just a really good year and a half with the crunch. Well, Carl, let's talk about you now. Talk about your time here in the crunch uh, as a player and as a coach. Just uh, you kind of alluded to it already. You've got two hockey homes, whether it's there in North Dakota or here in Syracuse. But just general thoughts on on I guess we'll start with the playing days, your time as a player in Syracuse. Sure. Um, you know, for me, it was a really neat time in, in my life. And, you know, you graduate college and you hope to have the opportunity to, to play professional and to pursue a dream of, of chasing the NHL and um, getting the opportunity to do that with the Blue Jackets organization and with Syracuse. Um, you know, when I look back, I'm, I'm just so thankful for it of, you know, not only the time and opportunity and, and the growth and things I learned on the ice, um, having great coaches like Gary Agnew and, and Ross Yates that, uh, you know, really uh, mentored and, and guided you as a young man. But um, not only that, just just time with with your teammates, getting to know guys like Doobie Westcott that, you, you know, form good friendships with and, and kind of grow up with as, as young adults there. So, um, you know, I, when I look back at, at my playing time and, and days in Syracuse, there, just um, so thankful for it. And, and certainly, again, um, certainly view Syracuse as, as kind of one of my main hockey homes there and uh, will always kind of have a special place to me. Well, you start your pro career in, in that first year, 20, uh, 2001, 2002. You got time in the, the ECHL with Dayton, but uh, also time with the Crunch coming out of North Dakota. Uh, what do you remember from your rookie season uh, from, uh, you know, your 15 games with the Crunch that year? I mean, this year, the Crunch uh, for a stretch about a month or so had two rookie goalies when uh, their veteran this year, Max Legacy, got hurt in the first game of the season. We know how challenging of a league this is uh, for a rookie goaltender. What do you remember from jumping into pro hockey? You're a rookie and you're playing at this level. Yeah, I, you know, it, it certainly is a big jump. And, and one of the big things that, that stuck out for me, Lucas, was um, being alongside a great veteran in JF LeBay. Um, you know, for, for me as a rookie, he was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, my, my time there, he really took me under his wing and um, talked to me about the game and adapting at the pro level. And, um, you know, certainly grateful for, you know, an older guy at the time and both of us kind of similar stature guys of uh, talking to me and, and mentoring me. And, um, you know, when I look back to that first year, not only were, you know, I was really excited and, you know, grateful. And every time I got a chance to play, it was just, uh, you know, you're, you're excited, you're in the moment, but I, I look at all those kind of lessons learned too, from uh, being around, being around an older guy like LeBay that, uh, you know, again, just was fantastic with me at the time. How important is it, uh, clearly for you it was, but to have, uh, you know, especially these days, it seems like that has become more and more of a thing. If you've got a rookie or a first-year or second-year goaltender, you need a nice veteran piece, a, a veteran goalie who's been around, who is a, a positive influence on someone like that. How critical is that for, for a young goalie to have, a, a you know, not only a coach, and I know there is really no goalie coaches back in, in your playing day. That's obviously a thing of the past now. But uh, to have a, a veteran presence as, a you know, a goaltending duo for a goalie at this level or really at any level 
Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great piece to have. And, and I would say that not not only at the goaltending position, but, um, you know, whether forward or D, just just having some veteran presence around guys. Um, you know, it, again, I look back even in my recent coaching days there, um, you know, Eric Condra, when I look at what he did as a captain for us. Um, you know, I, I think that's such a great link to have a good veteran piece that um, can be that link between the coaches and players um, and talk to guys about being a pro. Um, you know, it's 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 one thing for a coach to, to get your message across, but um, it's a completely another thing to have somebody that's been through it, um, that's played at high level, high level competition, has seen NHL games. To, to show and to set that example for guys. So um, I, I think it's such a, a critical piece, especially at the American League, where you're getting a lot of kids that, again, like, like me, were fresh out of college or fresh out of junior that, you know, they're, they're really impressionable at that time. And um, having having not only the coaching, but having leadership around them to, to mentor for me is a, is a huge piece. Yeah, and I don't think there's any surprise that Eric Condra went into uh, the develop, player development side of things after his uh, playing career was done. Just uh, like you said, such a great presence on and off the ice for the young group that uh, the Crunch had uh, in that 2017-18 season uh, in particular. Carl Gehring, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. All right, so you're number one with the Crunch. It was only 15 games played your number two in 2002 2003 really jump up 49 games played uh what do you remember as you're you know you really start to take off now in your pro career getting a lot of action a lot of ice time a lot of uh games in net for the crunch yeah it was uh just a just a neat progression for myself um you know getting the chance and that that year prior our team in the east coast league you know we, we had a few of us columbus prospects down there too as well we went on a really neat run and went all the way to the Kelly cup finals, but it was, it was kind of fun to carry that over into the next year. And, you know, you, you learned, you learned as a pro how to play night in night out and um, how to show up even from a tough bus trip or whether it was a three and three. And um, you kind of get some of those things underneath your belt as a young guy. And um, so getting that chance to, to play more games was, you know, for me, such a neat and exciting opportunity. So, um, you know, those years, it was such a blast. And uh, again, really thankful that I had that chance and had such an opportunity to play so many games and uh, be part of a good group there. Yeah, it, uh, and really neat for sure. So uh, you end up with the, the uh, uh, 49 games that season, then you come back and uh, the team has a really strong year the next year as well. You end up in the playoffs in, uh, in 2004 uh, against a, a very good Rochester team. We know how that playoff series went. We don't need to dwell on uh, on that seven game series against the Amherst, but all in all, it was a really good year in 2003, 2004. It was uh, your, your third year pro as that progression continues that year, you know, where, where did you feel like your game was continuing to prove improve and, and as a team improved as well? Yeah. Again, for me, I think, you know, you, you continue to mature. Um, So it's, it's not only the things on the ice, but I think just, maturing as well as a person and, and understanding the approach you need. But um, I, I look back to like, you know, again, we had some, we had some fun guys that uh, you kind of grew along with as well. And I think that was, was kind of neat too. you know, players like Brad Moran and Jeremy reach um, that were around that again, you know, we're young prospects. And when you kind of start to grow together too, that's uh, you know, kind of a neat thing. It's, it's not only individually, but then you, you kind of start to take off as a group. 
Carl Gehring, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles, uh, that team uh, very solid for the, the for the Crunch that season. Y- you talk about players developing together, and, and that's something you know we have seen, of course, here in, in uh, Syracuse over the years. Uh, what what's it? What kind of bond is formed when you know you might come in as a rookie class with a couple of guys? I mean, when you were a coach here just a few years ago, I think there was nine, ten rookies coming in at once in the 2017-18 season. But you all jump in together, and then you go through that progression, like you say, over a year, two, three, looking to make it up to the uh, the next level the NHL what kind of bond can be formed from uh, you know a group like that where maybe you go through some development camps or rookie camps at the NHL level uh, and then you you work your way through the minor leagues how does that form a bond for players well it's a real neat time in in those kids lives and I I look back personally but then even as a coach too um, you know you're really out on your own (laughs) for the first time too so you're getting apartment living together you're you know you're, you're figuring out how to manage not only your professional life but your personal life off the ice as well so um you know you, you really you, you kind of lean on each other going through those times together as a young pro so you're, you're figuring out you know living eating all, all those things that you know really to that point have kind of been taken care of for you so um you know in that you spend so much time together that it really does form some close friendships and um, I, I look back as a player and I know, again, you, you think about all the times on the ice and, and the growth there, but um, almost just as much you think about the fun you kind of had with buddies off the ice, whether it was just going out to eat or, or hanging out at home and um, growing together that way, too. And I, I think that is a big part of the development is, you know, fostering a good environment where guys are, you know, they have support, but they've got that time too to, you know, bond with one another away from the rank as well. You come back in 04, 05, you play one more season with the Crunch, then you kind of go away for a couple of years. You play for a few other teams. You go to Finland, which we'll uh, talk about uh, in a little bit. You end up in San Antonio, Milwaukee, Wilkes-Barre, and then uh, and Norfolk before the triumphant return in 2007-2008, what turned into a really magical uh, run for the Crunch at the end of that season. What do you remember from you know returning to this organization in, in uh, that 07-08 season and then just the unbelievable run you guys went on down the stretch? Yeah, yeah it was uh, a really crazy year for myself. Um, you know, Prior to the year, I was really kind of bouncing around and um, you know, I think I had been with three different organizations prior to, to come in to join the crunch again that year. Um, you know, remember not being able to get anything at the beginning of the year in terms of a contract to going to going to Buffalo's training camp, just on a tryout. And then, um, I think I was on, I think I was on maybe two other teams prior to, to joining the crunch. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, once I became available and, and Jim Sorosi calling and, um, saying, Hey, like we might have a need here. And, um, just the excitement for me to, again, come back and, and come back to a place that, you know, you, you, you again, just realized, especially now how fortunate you were to, to be there for so long, but, um, was, was <laughs> then it turned out to be, as you said, one of the, you know, one of my favorite years memory wise, in terms of being back at the crunch and, um, kind of neat to do Westcott, who a guy that I mentioned coming up with as a young guy, ended up coming down to at that time. And um, so it was kind of fun to reconnect with him. And, um, but we had such a, such a neat group. And um, again, just went on such a, such a crazy run there and and just had that belief and something that, uh, you know, I'll never forget and uh, grateful that I was able to be a part of it. 
Yeah, it just, and we've talked with so many people about it. Uh, and just on this podcast alone, we've had uh, Zenon Kanapka, who was such a big part of that run. We had uh, Bob McGilligan, Bobby Mack, who was uh, calling all of those games, a 15-game winning streak down the stretch, 23-game point streak to get into the playoffs. From your perspective, you were in the goal for, for quite a lot of those games as well. It, what was the feeling like around the team going through that run where, uh, I mean, Bobby, we had him on the show just last week, said it almost felt like the team was invincible no matter who was playing. No matter who was in the lineup what that night, something good was going to happen, and the team was going to find a way to win. Well, and and, and I'll let Bobby, uh, of course, give a better description than me there. So, <laughs> uh, but it, but one one of the things that kind of clearly sticks out to me was you mentioned uh, Zen in there. Like I just thought, one he did such a great job as a captain. Um, you know, not only did he lead by by speaking good things into our group, but then he went out in the ice and and showed it. Um, so I think when you kind of have that passion and you have somebody leading like that, um, that really started it for us. And, and I think that's for me, that was one of the greatest descriptions as, you know, we just kind of got in a rhythm and we had a bunch of guys that really just enjoyed being at the rink and playing. I remember Mike, Mark Rycroft being down there too. And, um, you know, it just was a really good energy in terms of guys that, you know, enjoyed the game, enjoyed playing. And, um, you know, all of a sudden when you get on a rhythm like that, it's, it's kind of amazing what can happen. And I look to, you know, the leadership provided and the closeness of that group. And, and again, the passion and what guys were, uh, willing to do there. So, um, certainly one of the cooler, cooler pro seasons and cooler things that I've, I've been a part of in my hockey career. Yeah, it turns into a, a tremendous playoff series in the first round, too, with Manitoba. A six-game series win for the Crunch. Five games went to overtime. What was it like to be in goal for that? Uh, obviously, the series clincher at home ice, one of the iconic moments in Crunch history, but that whole series, I mean, so tight the whole way. Five overtime games against a, a, a rival that you guys passed right at the end of the year to, to get home ice advantage. What was that matchup that you remember against Manitoba and what was the series like you know it was a great great battle on the ice you know they, they had a really good team as well Lucas had a lot of good players I remember you know Jason Jaffrey um you know in goal having young Corey Schneider and, and Drew McIntyre a couple of really good goaltenders there um so again it, it was uh you know it was a really good heated battle on the ice in terms of a two really good skilled competitive teams um and I just remember that night in night out like it was that's what you hope for. Uh, you, you hope for those great games and those, those great series. And it was just a blast to play in. Um, one of the, one of the memories for me that, that really sticks out is, um, you know, we had some unusually hot spring weather in Syracuse. And I can't remember if it was after, um, which game it was after, but it was our last first part of the home game. And then we were transferring the series to Manitoba. Um, and so we ended up playing an overtime game. And I remember, um, I, I think it was Schneider ended up having to leave the game midway through because he was cramping because it was so hot. And like you, you're trying to, I remember we had this thing, this pickle juice thing that we're <laughs> giving to the guys because everybody was dehydrated. And as the overtime went on and the heat and, and, you know, we, we found a way and got a big win, but, um, boy, I remember fly, flying, uh, the next day, all of a sudden just getting really sick and the dehydration hit me too, as well. So um, having to having to kind of regroup and, and get set to play in Manitoba, but 
that's that's one game in particular. Uh, just remember battling through the, the heat and and getting through the dehydration and um, was a was a big uh, big win in the series though. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm looking. I just pulled up the game sheet and uh, Schneider had the start. He played 44 minutes, didn't allow a goal, 26 saves, and uh, then had to leave the game. And Drew McIntyre comes in the crunch rally back in that one and uh, at least tied the game at two before Manitoba won it in overtime. Uh, Mike Brown getting the overtime game winner. So a good memory there, Carl. Um, so that that cool. was. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's what happens when you get older. Apologize to interrupt, but every, everything becomes a win, right? So, yeah, we, we, won this, we won this series, right? Yeah, so. there you go. That's all that matters. It was a, a yeah. big series win for the Crunch uh, against Manitoba. The Crunch ended up losing uh, in another thrilling series against Toronto uh, in Game 7 that year. Uh, it was a year. Uh, Zanin Kanopko always says he felt like that team could have won the Calder Cup uh, if he wasn't banged up a little bit and didn't have to go on that crazy, basically playing playoff hockey for the entire second half of the regular season. That was when your playing days in Syracuse, though, came to an end. That was your last year as a player with the Crunch. Played one more season. Uh, ended up actually going to Manitoba the following year. Uh, end up your uh, playing career there. You go and uh, go back to North Dakota for a long stretch, and then you come back, of course, to the Crunch as a coach. What, you know, over the, the span of, of that t- kind of time off in Syracuse, it was about a 10-year differential before you came back as a coach what changed and and what what excited you to come back and join this organization again that is a coach uh in 2017 yeah you you know for me uh, just the excitement of uh the game has always kind of pulled for me and um you know getting back fully in the game for me was uh something at that time that I was excited and, and looking for and um, you know, at the time I was a volunteer coach at, at North Dakota. And um, so so that opportunity, you know, and especially going back to Syracuse, where I'd still known so many folks. And um, again, kind of a second home and, and a hockey home for me was just really enticing and intriguing for me. And um, so grateful I, I took the step to do that because I, I learned so much in that time back again. Um, was fortunate to be around so many great people. Uh, within the Lightning organization that, again, you know, uh, reason why they've had so so much success. Um, so for me, just so grateful that I, I took that step and learned so much in that time going back there. I don't know if there's ever been a, an announcement when you were announced as a coach that was so well received by uh, by the fans. You were such a, a liked goaltender, of course, on and off the ice. What made you, you know, how were you able to connect so well with uh, with the folks, the fans here in Syracuse and in Central New York, uh, which made you become such a fan favorite and, and tied you so well with this community? Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's hard to say, I guess. Um, you know, for me, I was always so thankful of the fans of and how appreciative and how they came out and supported and have always supported. And, and to me, that's, um, you know, being somebody that's kind of crazy about the game of hockey, you know, pretty easy to connect with people that, uh, again, share that kind of passion and share that joy of the game. And um, I think, again, Syracuse is we're, we're so fortunate out there to have such a great fan base and um for me, understanding that and, and connecting with, with those folks as best I could, um, you know, it was just fairly, again, a natural thing. And um, again, without the fans, there's um, really not the game, right? So, um, you know, 
being able to play as a pro you're, you're so thankful for, but uh, making sure that you're, you're appreciative of the folks that come in to support you too, I think is really important. Yeah. Isn't that true? Uh, the crunch had to play a game this past uh, week while we record this uh, up in Laval without any fans with some of the restrictions And it, it. Sometimes you scratch your head and say, what are we doing out here without uh, anyone in the building? But I guess that's the nature of it these days. But uh, when you were playing here, we know how, I mean, and coaching here as well, how, how difficult it is as an opponent to play in this building. What was it like to be uh, on the home side of things in, in the net here uh, at Upstate Medical University Arena in one of the uh, one of the great old buildings of the league? Yeah, and, and that's it's such a fun building to play in because the fans are right on top of you. And I, I do, again, I, there's a certain character and charm to the building. So um, to me, it was always a great atmosphere as a, as a home player. And, you know, again, fans are into the game. It, it's not just there. They're, they're there watching. They're invested in the game. They're, you know, again, fully into everything that's happening, which I, I think is so neat. And um, I, I can certainly tell you, too, <laughs> coming back the year following playing for Manitoba, um, you know, it was a little different coming yeah. back on the opposite <laughs> side of the kind of kind of felt a little bit off to be honest. So, um, but definitely a uh, definitely such a great environment, and and so uh, so appreciative that I had the chance to uh, you know to be the home bully for so many years. I'm curious. I think the goaltending position is one that is so, and I mean this with uh, with all respect uh, possible. It's such a misunderstood or or I don't know. It's a position that everyone is still trying to learn about. It if you're not a goalie or a goalie coach, uh, and it's obviously changed so much over the years as well in terms of how to approach the position. How has it changed uh, since you've been a player to now being a coach, and and how goalies approach the game and and where the goaltending position is these days. Sure. Um, well, I, I think that the game's definitely gotten faster from uh, from my playing days. So I, I think the goaltender is having to adapt to the speed. Um, and then there's obviously been some some technical items like the development of the RVH with with Jonathan Quick. But um, you know, for, for me, there, there's so many similarities um, still, and and the the mental side I think is such a big thing for for goaltenders of, you know, have, having the right approach, having the best approach they can to practice, to, to really create good habits um, that are going to help you with the speed of the game, help you stay ahead of the play and um, get you in the best spots to, to make the saves and make the game as easy as you possibly can. So, um, you know, again, for me, that's uh, as a coach trying to, trying to get my guys and, or shouldn't say my guys, but any goalie in, in particular in the best spot they can both, physically and in terms of training their feet, training their technique as, as best we can, but mentally and um, making sure they're, they're doing the best they can and um, helping them to, to prepare as best they can for the rigors of a game and, and the, what they're going to see there. And then we'll talk about, you know, kind of your role here with the Crunch and, and, and North Dakota as well as a, a coach, goalie coach in particular uh, here with the Crunch. It, it's something that is, I think, as we kind of alluded to earlier, still a developing trend. And I think at this point, most teams have one, but uh, a lot of teams didn't. And I'm sure the Crunch didn't have one back when you were playing. What, How important is that position become now for, for goalies to have a you know, guy in their corner as, a, as an actual coach here in Syracuse all the time? Now it's Joe Palmer for the Crunch. It was you before that uh to have a, a an actual goalie coach in town each and every day on the ice in practice how how valuable is that for goaltenders these days 
you know, you know, again, I, I, to me, I go back to, I think it's so important for every player to, to have a, a coach and have somebody one-on-one, but, but in particular goaltending, um, you know, the, the position so unique and the demands of it so unique as well, that, that having somebody that can, can mentor, can continue to help you progress, I, I think is, is so important. And, you know, for, for me, Lucas, it's been really neat to see the progression of the game. Um, you know, like when, when I was coming up and first signed with Columbus, we had Rick Wamsley, who was, was great. And actually, uh, you know, I just, just touched base with him a, a couple of months ago. So it was kind of neat to hear from Wammer, but, um, you know, he was the one goalie coach for the entire organization. So in terms of coming down to, to Syracuse, you know, we maybe see him once a month. Um, and so now to see the progression of, of teams, you know, I, I look at the lightning now of, you know, they've got France doing a great job up, up with the lightning. Um, they've got Joel there. And then they also, uh, again, they've got a dedicated goaltender scout. So, um, you know, seeing teams emphasize it and put importance on the position. And, um, again, like <laughs> goaltending for me, when, when you are able to, you know, emphasize and, and develop it, um, boy, it, it can really help a program and help a team. And, uh, I, I think it's fantastic to kind of just see that trend in the NHL of where it's gone. Carl Gehring here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, a couple of quick hitters for you, Carl, about your time with the Crunch. Is there a, you kind of talked about a couple of the big moments that you remember, but is there one that stands out on the ice, off the ice, something uh, something that sticks out to you about your time as a player here in Syracuse? Yeah, again, a lot of a lot of great memories. Um, you know, on the ice playing playing some big games, whether you know early early in my career there. Um, you know, as I've mentioned, I think that that run with uh, Zen and Kanopka as, as captain there was got to be by far one of my favorite ones. Um, you know, <laughs> off off the ice, I guess one of my favorite uh, favorite prank days. Uh, we used to have these old metal lockers down in the dressing room underneath there for our change stalls. Um, well, Mark Hardigan one day decided to, and I still don't know how he did it, but squeeze himself inside the metal locker of Pascal Leclerc. And so it was pretty funny. He just just held there and waited for about 10 minutes to, and then Pascal opened his locker and uh, party jumped out and, and scared him. So, uh, you know, little, little stuff like that, but that was one of my uh, favorite off ice memories of the uh, dumb things you do as a player there that just have a little fun and uh, bond together. So a lot, a lot of great memories and, uh, Hopefully that one was uh, pretty safe and PG for everybody. <laughs> well, it keeps everyone loose for sure, and uh, there's always some great, uh, great moments like that uh, each and every year. Is there a um, was there an opponent that you you couldn't stand to play against uh, an individual person, whether it's a guy who had a, a shot that you just you couldn't pick up, or it just was a heavy shot, or a guy who was always you know setting a screen in front of you, you couldn't just uh, I, I don't know. Is there anyone that you just couldn't stand playing against while you were a player? Uh, I, I don't want to say good stand. Uh, there are certainly guys that were, were frustrating and, uh, you know, challenging to play against. Um, w- one guy I'll mention is, uh, Jason Botterill, uh, with Rochester. And again, he was, he was a heck of a player, but one of the challenges for me was he was always net front on the power play and he's such a wide body. So having to, uh, always look around him and he did, he did always, in my opinion, a really good job of, uh, getting in the lane and being difficult for the goaltenders there. So, um, you know, he, that's one again, don't want to say hate, hate strong, <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, definitely one I had, had a ton of respect for, for just how we played the game and, uh, the job he did at net front in front of me. 
I love it. Well, it's a, it's a good answer, a good uh, diplomatic answer there, Carl. We uh, <laughs> we appreciate you uh, cleaning it up a little bit for, for how I uh, posed it in your direction. Uh, before we let you run, and we appreciate the time you've given us, just uh, one final uh, closing thought to wrap up uh, wrap up your time with the Crunch, both uh, as a player, as a coach, and, and uh, your entire experience here in Syracuse. Yeah, just grateful. Um, when I look back, I'm, I'm so thankful for, you know, the lessons I learned as a, as a young adult coming up, um, you know, the growth they gave me the last few years underneath the Tampa Bay Lightning organization with uh, Ben Drew as our head coach there and learning so much uh, as a coach of how to approach the game and, and how to uh, keep pushing standards higher. Um, and then again, just the relationships. Um, so thankful for getting to know so many people and um, really important in my life that uh, was able to be a part of the Syracuse the, the organization, the community, and um, again, so just just thankful for my time, and uh, will always be another home for me. So I'm hopeful. Uh, hopeful uh, we're there. Our team is actually playing in Cornell next year, so I'm going to throw this out right now. Any uh, Crunch fans, please uh, mark that on the calendar and. Uh, Maybe find some uh, green and, and come support North Dakota there. All right. Well, we're marketing it on our calendar as well. That's uh, good to know, and we're looking forward to uh, to trying to catch up with you then when you guys visit Cornell. Carl Gehring, we uh, we appreciate the time today. We always appreciated the time in your two years as a coach whenever uh, you had uh, time for our interviews, pregame or whatnot. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we wish you and, and North Dakota luck the rest of the way this year. Thanks so much, Lucas. Always great to join you. There he is, Carl Gehring, our guest here, episode 20 of Crunch Chronicles. We appreciate Carl giving us the time here uh, this week on the show. Carl, as we alluded to uh, during the course of that conversation, is a guy who uh, really holds a couple of Crunch records for goaltenders. He has played the most games ever uh, by a Crunch goaltender, 177 games played in a Crunch sweater in the regular season for Carl. 78 wins, that is also the most in franchise history. So uh, just one of the great goalies for the crunch. We talked about Eddie Pasquale, who could potentially, at least at the time of our conversation, could potentially represent Canada at the 2022 Olympic Games. He's on the very short list, according to all reports about that. And and Carl coached him for his year and a half with the crunch. And, and Eddie has the career record for the crunch in terms of goals against average, 2.20 Goals against average for Pasquale and a 921 save percentage as well for Eddie, which is tied for fourth in uh, Crunch history. Of course, we had Eddie Pasquale on our uh, Crunch Chronicles uh, earlier on. One of the very first episodes of Crunch Chronicles was goaltender Eddie Pasquale. So uh, who knows if he gets named to the uh, Canadian Olympic team, we might have to try to catch up with Eddie again. But uh, that's a sidebar. This is, of course, about one of the great goalies in crunch history, Carl Gehring, who's spent a number of years here, both as a player and as a coach. We appreciate his time today as he continues to uh, uh, coach uh, at North Dakota. Uh, I'm marking my calendar, I'll tell you that much, for uh, for when he is coaching at Cornell next year with North Dakota. Maybe we can get him, uh, depending on how the things, uh, the schedules line up for the crunch and for, uh, for that game at Cornell. Who knows, maybe we'll have a chance to get him either here or go visit uh, when he goes to uh, coach uh, for North Dakota down there at Cornell. Anyway, great to have Carl Gehring on the show here this week. That's episode 20 of Crunch Chronicles in the books. We appreciate Carl joining us here today, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation with him. If you have any 
stories of uh, Carl's time here, whether it was a player or as a coach, and I'm sure there's many, such a fan favorite and such a likable guy during his time with the Crunch. We'd love to hear them. You can uh, tweet me at Lucas Favalli or email me lfavalli at syracusecrunch.com. We'd love to get some Carl Gehring stories to share on an upcoming episode here of Crunch Chronicles. We'll be back with another episode in one week's time. In the meantime, subscribe. Share the uh, the episode or the, the show with anyone you like or know who you think might enjoy the show, whether it's this episode in particular or any of our previous episodes. They're all available uh, right here where you listen to this episode today. Love a rating and a review as well, and uh, we hope you join us again next week for episode 21 of Crunch Chronicles. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favalli saying so long for now. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Crunch Chronicles.